So today we speak to Esto Callahan of Hundo about learn to earn a new model based upon um, borrowing from principles around play to earn, addressing the skills gap within the metaverse to meet the demand of industry, but also allow whole generations a new form of financial inclusion and independence. I think you're going to enjoy it. Today, really happy to welcome on the Metaverse podcast, Esther O'Callaghan, OBE, um, co-founder of Hundo. Welcome, Esther. Hello. <laughs> uh, I like adding the OBE bit on. I'm sure to people listening in other parts of the world, in America, they're confused by that. We'll, we'll get to it a, a little bit later, but it's a very important and impressive uh, title um, bestowed upon people who do good and impactful work here in the UK. Um, and really, that's been a result of Esther dedicating her life to tackling youth unemployment. Uh, and that has directly resulted in hundreds of thousands of children and young people being supported nationally in the UK, hence the OBE, but also worldwide. Hundo is the kind of first social impact company working to solve youth unemployment and addressing the global growing global skills deficit in the metaverse. Obviously, that's a huge risk for companies looking to employ um, and attract new talent and to upskill, but also whole generations whose skills, achievements, kind of soft qualifications in the metaverse, either earned or learned, aren't officially recognized. And what's most exciting about Hundo is, is that you're doing this by dog fooding, you know, you're doing this through the application of crypto, DeFi, um, and Web3, and really working at the intersection of Web3 and, and gaming and gaming culture and the skills that um, young people can uh, build and, and achieve there. So the reasons why I've got you on the show, firstly, you know, we were very lucky to work with you in uh, one of our previous accelerated cohorts, and you've graduated with huge success. So congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> but also, I think it's just really important to talk about the people, the human component of the metaverse. You know, normally when we have guests on here, we talk about people in the abstract. It's usually very much focused on technology mm. um, and you know principles around technology. But of course, technology is nothing without people. Um, you know, the users, the creators, the builders, the kind of participants, and you know, outlier, you hopefully people now appreciate the reason why we're so passionate about the open metaverse is because of its possibilities around financial inclusion. Mm -hmm. But you're really working at the kind of sharp end of that, right? How do you onboard, you know, whole generations that are pretty much totally financially excluded from you know, the majority of things and financial system into the metaverse in a way that they can develop careers, derive stable income, whether that's through employment or or something else. Um, and, you know, you've got huge experience, 20 years plus of working across, you know, not just kind of central and local authority and government here in the UK, but also within the arts, 
media and, and culture industry and, and third sectors. And you've kind of got lots of firsts as a female founder and female leader. And of course, that's incredibly important if we're wanting to onboard everybody um, into this metaverse. So let's let's start with your your personal journey, because I know that is, you know, incredibly formative to why Hundo. Um, and of course, I know, you know, you've got a son and watching how he has moved through the kind of education system and how he interacts with gaming and media. And you can see him developing skills that perhaps aren't reflected on the traditional CV. But it'd be great to just learn more about you and, and your personal journey and how you arrived at Hyundai. Thank you. So um, I left school uh, when I was 16 because uh, I had to. Uh, I went to work. And for me, uh, I grew up in a small town, a seaside town um, in the north of England called Blackpool. Um, and it's um, particularly uh, run down. <laughs> uh, there are not a lot of opportunities. You know, you kind of go into tourism um, or you go into care homes because uh, a lot of retired people live there. So I grew up on free school meals, uh, which again, from a UK perspective, young people who grow up on free school meals are three times more likely to be unemployed um, than their counterparts. So there is, for me, um, a perpetuation of a poverty cycle uh, that begins in childhood um, and it, it continues um, through life. And because obviously you are uh, a lot of a lot of young people who come from more privileged backgrounds. They have a network, uh, they have an alumni, you know, that they, they have a lot of access to opportunity um, that is simply lacking uh, for a lot of other young people. And my journey was tough. <laughs> they call it now a squiggly career, uh, but that wasn't by design or by choice. Uh, it was about, um, I need money to pay the rent. I need money to pay the bills. Um, so I will do whatever I have to do to not sleep on the street. <laughs> um, and I think for me, it's I'm always really conscious of um, it can't always be all about uh, your own journey or my own journey. I think what bothers me is the work that I've done since then, um, so, you know, since growing up uh, and looking at, you know, young people now make up the vast majority of the homeless population. Um, and I've worked in the kind of, you know, when you talk about the, the sort of harder edges, you know, everything from young male suicide through to, you know, teenage self-harm, homelessness. And, and I, COVID really galvanized in me, um, kind of the, the product of my experience, both personally, but also working with young people, working in youth issues. And COVID was interesting because, young people lost their jobs at three to five times the rate of every other age group. And they were already on the lower end of income and earnings. And at the same time in the hiring market, um, companies were crying out for software engineers, you know, really, really good jobs, you know, not, not just kind of minimum wage stuff. You're talking like 150,000 um, salary roles. And I found this particularly heartbreaking uh, because it was sort of, it spoke to me about the fact that it isn't a lack of jobs. Um, it is a chronic, systemic, global breakdown between the current education systems and structures that we have um, and the hiring market and the, and the skills that are needed um, for the future of work. Um, and that's kind of where I got to 
and became really obsessed with the possibility um, of Web3 and Metaverse. It's probably really clear to listeners that I'm not from a technical background and I don't come from a STEM background because actually that wasn't really any talked about when I was at school. Um, like STEM wasn't an acronym um, back then. And I think that this, if we're going to sort of be able to break down the intergenerational poverty um, that occurs, I can look at my own, I can, I can look back at my own life and I can go, my son, you know, obviously who you referenced, he also went through COVID and he's the, he's the cohort that doesn't have um, real GCSEs and, and possibly not even A-levels um, at this point. They're talking about those being um, teacher assessed now. And what I saw while he was, you know, obviously locked down, stuck at home is he was building worlds. You know, he, he was into Lego when he was little, you know, he transferred into Minecraft um, he started reselling, you know, um, sneakers and, you know, and stuff and started, you know, he's been working, learning and earning online since he was about 13 years old. And I start. there was a kind of, it was a combination of all of those things where I started to see that if you could upskill a generation of young people worldwide um, with the skills that they need for the future of work, um, employers need it. It's not just about solving a social problem um, or, or, a, or a human problem. It's going, if we can create um, a future skilled workforce um, that is agile because of, you know future work won't look like it does now in a traditional sense, um, then employers will have to um, you know, kind of turn around and look at the fact that they need these skills. You know, they need these young people if their businesses are actually going to grow and thrive. Um, and that's kind of where, that's that's sort of where Hundo is sitting today in terms of going, it's really exciting for me because I've spent my whole life looking at this problem. Um, and I've seen lots and lots of good projects, um, but they can't scale in the way that's needed right now. World Economic Forum, you know, came out with a paper, you know, a billion um, tech roles needed by 2030. There's, there's no coherent, scalable plan for this right now. And um, that's where I think Hundo can make the biggest impact um, and the most difference to the most young people. Yeah. And I think, you know, this kind of systemic approach is what really inspired us when, when we were working with you. And, you know, I, I don't really talk about this a lot. I'm not sure I've ever spoken about it actually, certainly on this podcast, but, um, you know, looking at my own journey to, to where I am today as a as a VC, I mean, you know, I came from a single parent family. Um, you know, I, on all accounts, would would have been categorised as working class, both my parents and their parents. Although that that definition is obviously um, perhaps not not so relevant today as a as a category. Um, and you know, due to my mother passing away when I was in college, I didn't complete formal education. I think I got one A level, which was a general studies one. There's the only one I can sit without, you know, um, any actual study and pass. Um, and that, and that really inhibited my ability to enter, you know, the kind of, um, a, a career because firstly, I couldn't then go into higher education after that, most roles required that you had a degree. Um, I'm pretty sure yeah. on a couple I even lied about having a degree to get just to get in the door. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say which ones because, of course, <laughs> that might get me into trouble. But, you know, everything I've learned really has been, you know, through applied learning of 
just doing startups. I'm very fortunate now to be in a position that I am. But I didn't know what a VC was until I was, you know, probably in my mid to late 20s. Um, I also came from up north, um, just outside of Manchester in a salt mining town, which was, I wouldn't say deprivated, but, you know, it, it didn't have a lot going for it. And there certainly weren't many VCs, you know, swanning around the place. <laughs> um, so I, I just didn't even know that was a pathway, let alone how to then act on it. And so, you know, I can I can totally empathize with, you know, whole generations who just by virtue of background or geography um, would struggle to even be aware of opportunities, let alone know how to kind of enter into them. So in a way, what excites me about the metaverse is it could be a great equalizer. If you've got an internet connection, of course, again, not everybody has that. You've got the hardware of a laptop. Again, not everybody has that. Um, but the, in theory, you can go online, you can develop skills, and especially in the context of an open metaverse, you can potentially begin to derive an income from your time and attention um, without necessarily being employed. You know, that that conceptually feels really promising. But of course, it's just that's just a concept. You know, how we actually get there requires initiatives and projects and platforms like Hundo to 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 provide the technology, the process, and the marketplace to kind of connect those things. Um, so maybe let's talk about the the skills. You know, we talk about the skills gap. What what does the skills gap look like? What are the relevant skills in the context of the metaverse. Um, how are people acquiring those skills? Um, and then it would be good to know, you know, kind of how Hundo formalizes those as skills that can be recognized by an employer. Yeah. So the main thing for me is, um, as you said, is about access. And if you imagine at the moment, um, Every young person um, is in mandatory education because the government says you have to be. And, you know, I went to school, left school in, what, 1996. In 91, I was in year seven. I was learning how to make a clock. Um, and then in kind of like 2012 or whenever it was, you know, Will was at school learning how to make a clock. And I'm like, I don't think watchmaking is like a growing industry right now. Um, and it was quite shocking to me, you know, and it's sort of going, you know, our technical co-founder, Scott, he's got a Gen A, you know, five-year-old. And we're, we're all going through the same education system that my mum went through, you know, and like, and it's kind of going, you're never going to, we're never going to be able to change that. Um, fast enough. Um, you know, it's not because I think education is a terrible thing. It's just going, it's not really um, able systemically to keep up with the pace of change that is occurring in, 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 the, in the employment market. So we wanted to, you know, our domain expertise lies in understanding what the fundamental barriers are uh, to employment um, for young people um, and that obviously we've, we've touched on a lot of it but you know as you say you know for both of us single parent families you know free school meals when you add in um, equality diversity and inclusion um, if you're a young black man um, you know in in the UK 
you are three times more likely again to be unemployed. So, so there is a whole range um, of issues that are occurring. Um, and, and the one that you pinpointed is about access and discovery. 90% of the young people we've worked with didn't even believe they were eligible for the roles they now do. So if you can't even perceive that you are eligible or have a right to work somewhere, um, it's incredibly difficult um, to progress. So we wanted to look at how to break down those barriers first and then look at the skills. So we're building um, campus this year, uh, which was the product of coming off Outliers Base Camp programme. And that was able, that propelled us forward, you know, at least 12 to 18 months in 12 weeks, which was amazing. And that's about going, the CV is um, a redundant piece of paper. It doesn't really tell you anything um, about a young person. And as you said, it's like, because you can't really validate what's written on there. You know, you, you would have to kind of deep dive into someone's, you know, background and, and you can't, it's, it's a very analog, two-dimensional way of looking at a person um, and making a judgment about them. And we know that of itself, it creates huge amounts of bias. You know, if you have a foreign sounding name or you have a different skin tone to, you know, kind of white, those are, um, even if it's unconscious bias, it is it is still um, that the system is, is creating that, that, that continuation of, of blockers for young people coming from, from diverse backgrounds, um, usually poor backgrounds. So, what we wanted to look at was going, how can we partner rather than kind of throwing stones at education, saying what's wrong all the time, because I don't think that helps. How can we partner? We work with education and training providers and recognize that, you know, young people are they're kind of a, um, a captive audience because they're stuck there at school um, and they're stuck at, you know, at college. So for us, it's kind of going, if you if you come to Hundo um, and you sign up for campus, which goes live this year, you can augment your learning um, with the skills that you are going to need for the future of jobs that, that are coming down the track. And as an example of that, um, it can be things like, let's say like um, Epic Games, you know, they will know over the next, you know, three to five years, how many Unreal Engine developers they're going to need worldwide. Um, so just as a, just as one example, so instead of having this reactionary hiring frenzy that occurs um, and everybody scrabbling around for um, a shortage, you know, the, 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 like blockchain developers, you know, solidity developers, you know, they're expensive and they're high demand, and there's not enough of them to go around right now. Forward-thinking employers can go, okay, we know what our needs are, um, and so we can invest in those young people up front through campus so that young people can do bite-sized boot camp. You know, they don't, we don't need an education system that keeps people learning for, you know, three years or more. They can do 12-week boot camps, get, get to a basic level of technical proficiency. And then whilst they're on campus, start to see just the sheer range of roles um, that are available. And it's not all about tech. Um, you know, tech is such a huge, <laughs> um, it's such a huge word. You know, most industries um, will and are being increasingly underpinned by it. Even in health and social care, you now have AI, ML, um, diagnostic tools. Um, so, so even if you're wanting to, you know, you don't have to be going into, into the tech space or metaverse for that. Um, you might want to be an NFT artist. You know, you'll be able to learn how to do that on campus. What we need is a generation that are crypto literate um, because it is an alternative um, to mainstream finance at the moment. And Gen Z are and millennials actually cannot compete anymore in traditional asset classes. Um, so actually, 
crypto, NFTs, you know, it's giving them um, an access point to a better financial starting point and, and literacy. So that's a really important component as well. In terms of reskilling, there are a lot of young people who maybe have done digital marketing courses or event management courses. Um, you know, they may have a bit of experience and they'll be able to translate that into metaverse fashion, into, you know, in, into kind of Web3. Um, Discord community channel managers, you know, they're in massive demand yeah. at the moment. So, yeah. you know, you know, you know, and it's kind of going. And so for me, that's exciting because it's it's not just about having hardcore tech background or tech skills. It's going, this is a new um, ecosystem. You know, it's not just one industry. And what I love the most about it um, is because there is a place for kids like me and you in it. <laughs> um, and that's that's. I think what way, that's what for me makes Web3 really unique. And I might be totally utopian and naive um, about that. But I, yeah, it gives me a huge amount of hope um, for, for the future if we can um, get young people onboarded, get them learning, um, and, then, and then get them moving through um, into work. Yeah, look, there's so much to what you just said. So firstly, I believe Epic are a partner as well, right? You've got several large organizations. Maybe you could rattle a few off for people to understand the kind of um, the kind of organizations that are engaging with, with campus. Yeah, so we're working um, closely with Adobe, even Salesforce, interestingly. And that's, you know, not, not just all kind of the, you know, and then obviously we've got some of the more um, what I call, you know, proper metaverse. So um, obviously Polygon we're building on and Fluff World. Uh, you know, so we've we've kind of started to build. You know, for me, it's it's a it's a it's a combination of um, of Web two, Web three, and you know the, the bigger guys like you know IBM, Microsoft, who we're talking to, um, Capgemini. You know that they, they all have this acute need <laughs> um, to address this problem and get out in front of it. So that, that's yeah, and even to be honest, like even talking to VCs, um, when I talk to those who are in you know the kind of blockchain space. That you know, well, I mean, I kind of turned around to them and said, "Your portfolio can't up and away into its, you know, IPOs and acquisitions and all the rest of it if you don't have the people um, that you can bring in, and, and that can be everything from sales, you know, through to, through to chief metaverse officers. It's I see the whole ecosystem as needing an injection um, of of future skills, you know, future talent." And what's nice for me, because, you know, as you said, it's like I've been at this for, you know, 20 odd years now. Um, it's the first time for me where it's going like the social problem is our business one. And if the market is demanding, you know, this this solution, then we get to solve the social problem at scale worldwide. And that is, um, you know, if we can achieve that, um, then I then I think I could um I think I'll die happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think, you know, just even thinking across our portfolio, yeah. I know it's great that you've mentioned a few of our partners in the portfolio in there, but like there's probably about 10,000 jobs, you know, that I can think of that you know, would require something like Hundo, as you say, from Discord manager to Metaverse lead to, um, you know, the kind of creative and design or, or let alone the kind of coding and the shortage in both you know, smart contract developers and, you know, people versed with the various kind of gaming engines. Um, and I think, you know, if you come back to the the systemic issue, you know, one of the things that exaggerates the, the inequality, the, the kind of starting point that 
a lot of young people are coming into the space from is inflation, right? You know, so yeah. Yeah. it's kind of the it's a form of stealth tax, and it most affects you know the the younger people, poor people, more so than anybody else in society, and and so you know the kind of fiat system as a whole is a disservice to a lot of young people coming in. And so if they're able to take a stake in a system um, which, you know, doesn't suffer from this kind of inflation, almost as a, as a hedge or an alternative economic system where they can build a profile, generate form of wealth, you know, however little, um, that offers them in and of itself a huge opportunity, right, to kind of level up and um, – catch up with, as you say, a kind of generation, you know, generations above them that just are just in a totally different position financially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, you know, you would have to retrain two, three generations of teachers at this point. You know, that that's that's how fast, you know, this space is moving, whereas young people are digital native. <laughs> and I actually wrote, I didn't write it, I, um, <laughs> I wrote about it. Um, it, was a, it was a WEF piece again on, you know, Africa, is fascinating, you know, in the context of it, it went straight to smartphone, you know, so when we talk about access to technology um, and hardware, um, there are, when, when you look at, when you look at the world, not through a, a purely Western lens, um, there is a huge opportunity um, in some of the bigger territories, India, and also those are some of the places that are facing some of the highest levels of youth unemployment, um, even the Mideast, you know, you're talking, you know, very, very young population, um, 50, 60% youth unemployment. I went to the European Parliament as one of the, it was the first all-female DeFi delegation um, earlier this year, uh, sorry, <laughs> earlier this year, last year. And one of the things for me about the current system, you know, and the fiat system is people are scared of crypto. You know, they are scared of things that they don't understand. Um, and so they're resistant to it. Um, but at a policy level and at a political level, everybody knows they've got a, a real problem on their hands if they don't address uh, what happens to a disaffected and hopeless generation. Um, because history tells us what happens um, with that, and it's not good for anybody. Um, so I think that the more that we can engage in bridge building conversations between the existing systems and the new ones. I think that is going, for me personally, I think that is more beneficial because what I don't want to see is, is fear and reactivity closing down something that actually, as you said, if you just look at inflation alone, is actually going to be really beneficial um, in the long term. Um, so that's, you know, I hope that the more young people who can access this, engage with it, use it, the more positive case studies that we can get out there that take us away from the clickbait, um, you know, of Bitcoin, you know, being dead and all the rest of it, it doesn't help. And it's actually, I think that of itself is doing a massive disservice to an economy that has the potential to transform people's lives. Um, and that's why I want to be part of it. Yeah. And again, it's coming back to this idea that it's a new financial system or a parallel financial system, and it doesn't have to necessarily compete. Um, it can kind of complement, it can augment. Um, and as more time is invested there, as more value is created. And with this baseline of property rights, where every user has the opportunity to have a direct stake yeah. in the value that's created, it, it at least offers the potential for improved inclusion. I wouldn't necessarily say equality, but certainly inclusion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what really frustrates me or consistently frustrates me is 
how a lot of governments, regulators haven't connected the dots as this part of their industrial strategy. And so, you know, I think actually the angle that you're coming at it from, which is, look, the significant parts of your economy need these skills. These skills are um, don't exist. They're going to be need to be developed in the context of the metaverse. That's a way of bringing in, I think, you know, governments because governments want employment. They want skills. They want taxes derived from employment. Um, and and so you know these realistically are the levers through which we can get the right conversation with regulators. So let's um, let's just jump. Uh, into more of the detail um, about the kind of platform that you're building, how exactly you're going to be leveraging things like NFTs, crypto, and, and DeFi. Yeah, so Campus is, um, we're taking the kind of the play-to-earn um, principles um, and we're creating a learn-to-earn platform. The best way you can teach someone about um, crypto is by using um, tokens in a safe um, environment. So, so each young person who signs up for campus um, will receive um, 100 HDO because hundo means 100%. <laughs> you probably know. Uh, so everything we do is 100. They can start to uh, look at courses and, and kind of stake their, stake their tokens against those courses and learn. And that will obviously um, open up rewards and, you know, and drops and things that they can do. But the intrinsic value um, that we're trying to create is the idea that, that no matter what happens to crypto, um, you have developed skills. And then the the biggest part for us that the change with the CV is about going as you are developing those skills, both on campus and also um, in your, you know, in your other online life. You know, if you if you if you kind of you know if you're picking up skills in gaming, you know, you will be able to store all of those on a permanent uh, skills wallet on chain. So employers can start to make decisions um, about hiring based on skills before they, you know, the use of avatars for us is going to be really important. And um, we piloted that with Innovate UK um, as a way of reducing hiring bias. Um, so I'm really interested at the moment in watching how, you know, big players like, to link, like LinkedIn, you know, and Twitter are, are, are sort of uh, using or allowing people to use um, fees or not. <laughs> um, because I actually think that that is, um, that's going to be a really strong, um, the, the combination of having an avatar, the combination of having an on an on chain skills wallet that is um, you can you can keep coming back to campus, you know, and you you, you might start off going, um, I'm interested in being a Discord channel manager, um, but then you might decide actually you want to become um, a Solidity Dev, and you will be able to do that um, on campus. So it it will be an agile, um, self self directed learning. The other part of it is uh, we want young people to be able to make their own choices um, about self-sovereign data and to be able to monetize that if they want to. So we'll have a data union um, as, as part of campus. And, and again, you know, for me, bringing it back down to, to human terms, you know, if your data is earning you or your, you know, your, your online behaviors or whatever is earning you, you know, 50 pounds a month or, you know, $50 a month, well, that pays for food. And that's so I think even, you know, while rather than having to go through education before you can start earning, which is also um, an issue, uh, the idea that you can already be learning and earning um, through campus um, is, is the bit that I'm most excited about. Yeah, awesome. And look, you know, it's it's so amazing to have watched the kind of rabbit hole that you've gone down and <laughs> um, how quickly you guys have integrated into everything that you're doing, a lot of the kind of key innovations out there. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's such an important mission, you know, and I think 
we're we're very proud to be part of that journey with you. You know, certainly Outlier will be engaging with your platform to try to think through how we can, you know, create the next generation of VC in order that we can begin to make sure we invest in the full spectrum of startups to to onboard the global population. Like how do we get the first billion, you know, people into the metaverse and the open metaverse specifically? We've got to invest in the right startups that are inclusive in their kind of approach. But I think also it's just great to have you as a figurehead and ambassador for that movement and for the open metaverse and, and translating it to, uh, to to kind of younger generations. So, Esther, it's been a pleasure having you on. Congratulations with the success that you've been enjoying in 21. I know 2022 is going to be another another bonkers year for you Um, (laughs) how can people follow what's going on with under how can they get involved obviously we're we're on all the social channels so instagram twitter um linkedin um or you can hundo.careers uh is the site and you can just um yeah you can just dm me Still taking DMs. <laughs> Still taking Still. DMs. I don't understand. Can you please explain to me what this whole thing about we'll never DM you first is? Because it really confuses me. Yeah, scams, scams, scams. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's, um, sadly, the, the, the space is rife with, 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 with scams at the moment, impersonators. Largely a failing of the social media platforms, by the way. But there yeah. you go. Um, well, look, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, and as I said, we're, we're watching to see how 2022 unfolds. Thanks, Jamie. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3. Thank you.